Welcome back to the Slutrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Anna D, aka The Professional Goddess, here to empower women to build their own empire and interview sluts who like to make money. On my podcast, I give you a peek inside my life as a girl boss, mentor, retired cam girl, viral TikToker, and now 1% OnlyFans creator. I share my ups and downs of running a multi-million dollar business and the difficult yet sexy path to success. So, my dear slutchpreneurs and my boss bitches in training, grab your notebooks, put on your crown, and if you're a new listener, it's an honor to have you here. Get ready to take a peek inside my pleasure chest. I am so excited to introduce the hosts of the Two Hot Wives podcast to the show. Ams and Kat are two friends in open marriages who explore the exciting world of unconventional sex, including kinks, swinging, sex parties, and new partners. Today, you're going to learn a lot about the secret world of alternative sex happening in more places than you even realize, including couple swapping, hall passes, unicorns, impact play, and even nude resort. Ams and Kat are having the best sex of their lives, so today, you slutchpreneurs get to peel back the curtain with me on what it's like being a part of this kinky fucking community. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. I love two girls in one Mike, this is going to be fun. <laughs> we like to share. We're, we're good sharers. We're excellent sharers. Yes. <laughs> so I, my first thought, like, I want to know how you guys met, but have you two had sexual relations together? You know, we we have, although our relationship has definitely gotten more, I don't even want to use platonic, but more, more sort like of sisters. sisters. Yeah, you know? it's like yeah. a sorority. So, um, you know, it's I evolved. If, if you're familiar with like the Kinsey scale of uh, sexuality, both of us tend to fall on the pretty close to straight or by curious sort of uh, number on the Kinsey scale. So it's more of like a, a friendly kind of play because I had one threesome with uh, my best friend at the time, but we weren't attracted to each other. We just both really liked the guy. So it was like, mm-hmm. we're in this together for the guy. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, I'm not saying we're not attracted to each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, Ams is beautiful. And I mean, adorable. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, we really, really, really like each other. But I think our relationship has just evolved over time. And it's just not about that anymore. So, And, and it was really very light. Anyway, yeah, to begin to with. Begin with. Yeah. And and it does not stop us from having phenomenal threesomes oh, yeah. with guys. So yeah, we definitely know what to do with ourselves yeah. if we're not the one. It's, it's kind of like, you know, people talk about FMF threesomes, and those are great. Our favorites are MFM threesomes. And for the most part, the guys who are our partners would identify as completely straight. straight. Um, but they just kind of know how to stay out of each other's way and a little incidental touching is no big deal. It's kind of the same kinda for the us. Same. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I feel like society is more fetishizes two women and a guy. So it's interesting to, to hear that there is a lot of two males and a female going on too. Right. And I will say for me, that's a huge turnoff. If we're with another couple and the, the guy is like, go kiss her, kiss her, touch her. I'm like, stop telling her what to do. Yeah, you're It not- bothers me a lot. I, I don't like it at all. You're not Martin fucking Scorsese. <laughs> do not direct this That's scene. right. That's right. Maybe she doesn't want to touch me. And yeah. you know what? If she doesn't want to touch me, I really don't want her to. Right. Right? That's right. It's like, why are women, I almost feel like women get shamed more for being with two guys. Like then she's more of a slut. And then like the guy is so like put on a pedestal for being with two women. So there, it, this has to be a fair playing field here. 
We are flipping that shit. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> it, we are here to tell you that MFM is where it's at. And and we don't mind being sluts. That's, that's really okay. Sure. We're taking yeah. that term. I mean, it's on my bucket list to have all my holes filled at one time. Ooh, I just yeah. feel like that moment alone is going to be uh, the uprise. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of us can speak from experience. <laughs> That would be me. I know it's totally unexpected. You would think it would be Ams, but no, it's me. That's so empowering. I, it takes it takes a strong fucking woman to just like throw that out there. I think there there's probably women out there that have, but maybe just kind of keep it under wraps. And I just really admire that you guys are paving the way for normalizing this because it's been around, I feel like, probably since ancient fucking times. Sure. You know, kings and queens (laughs) and, you know, fluffers and everything. Like, everyone piles in bed, like Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're not inventing anything new. We're just trying to bring it out into the open. And, I mean, you can see us. We look like regular soccer moms, but we are having absolutely phenomenal sex, and we think every woman should. Yeah. So I'm curious, did you guys meet and you weren't swinging at the time? And then did you two kind of go in on this journey together, like holding hands? (laughs) That would be so sweet, but that's not how it played out. No, not at all. (laughs) Actually, uh, we met on a couple's date. We um, have a profile on dating sites. It's like couples dating. Yeah. So uh, for um, Mr. Ams and I, we started uh, opening up our marriage and meeting other couples for uh, swing experiences, play experiences about three, three and a half. No, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Four years ago. Time flies. COVID time is there was a pandemic in the middle of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's about about four years ago, a little bit longer. Yeah, more like six for us. And uh, we were heading to a, a nude resort. That, you know, it's a not so uh, dark secret that a lot of swingers go to this resort. And we um, had plans to meet Kat and her husband um, before we went uh, because they'd been there and had just a ton of great advice for how to navigate it, what to pack. Um, So, yeah, we met on a couple's date and just like immediately hit it off. So did you guys like see each other naked before this went down, like via pictures and stuff? Or was it just like total, like not a lot of fluffing before? So that's not that's not really our style so much. Yeah. I mean, the pictures that you'll see on our profiles are pretty like, hey, we're just a regular couple and we yeah. like to have fun kind of pictures. There are some racy pictures, but not full nudes. Yeah. There are yeah. no dick pics. From Mr. Cat on our profile. Yeah. Which is, can be common. Everybody, it, it it's like any kind of online dating. There's a really wide variety of information that you might share with a potential partner or potential date. Um, for us, what we tend to gravitate toward are the sites that are not so focused on picture sharing and video sharing. It's more about getting to know the people. And then we don't do a lot of chatting back and forth or sharing pictures. It's like, Let's just meet and see if there's a connection because you can't that sort of we call it the elusive four way connection. You just don't know until you sit down in front of each other and start talking like regular dating. Exactly. I mean, you don't know until you actually meet someone. So to clarify, you both individually as couples weren't each other's first swinging experiences. No. Okay. So tell me the like the marriage lengths, like how many years have you been with your hubbies? Well, yeah. you go first. <laughs> this, so this year, uh, well, 2023, we'll be celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary. And Mr. Cat and I will be celebrating 25 years. Yeah. 
So that's long incredible. time. We basically met in preschool. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, no, we've we've been. You know, we uh, well for Mr. Ams and I, we met when I was still technically a teenager, and we got married really young, and we were monogamous for a very long time before we decided to kind of spice things up and explore ethical non-monogamy. Which is the the PC term for swinging? Um, okay, so we it's have a modern term. Yeah, I, I like it better. Yeah. For, the, for the record, this is so interesting. So you've you've lived the best of both worlds, and it's not you know I feel like people get in marriages and they're like, oh, I wish I did this. I wish I explored, and you got to just like take the next chapter and totally indulge in that while still having that partner. And well, I feel and it, like there's like almost like a safety to that too, because if it, if it doesn't work out, you still get your stability and everything, you know. Right. And at this point, we're getting to explore it with our best friend. I mean, it's really a lot of fun. Mr. Cat and I talk about all of the adventures. We debrief afterwards. It's a lot of fun. It's really spices up just Wednesday sex, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A a marriage is a a living thing. And if it doesn't grow and change, then it it will die. So I'm assuming you both had the idea of swinging before your husbands did. Hmm. No. No. <laughs> no, really? No. Although my daughter thinks it was probably my idea, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I imagine like you sitting on the bed, you just got you know home from work, and you're like, "So I'm ready for some more dick," or like, how does that conversation go? Well, so for us, Mr. Cat uh, was traveling a lot for work, and he he just started sending me erotica, you know, really sexy stories on uh, ex confessions. Erica Lust, her her website, X Confessions, where people wrote in about their actual experiences. And so he would send them to me. That was a quick, easy read, super hot. And uh, they just started pushing that envelope of of, uh, open open marriages and, and, you know, uh, the guy watching his wife uh, at the pool while he's in the apartment. Crazy stuff. I mean, really exciting stuff. Got my heart pumping. And so I just talk to him about it. Like, hey, are you interested in this? What, what's this all about? Because uh, I'm curious what that kind of roadblock would look like, because I, I feel like that's a beautiful, harmonious thing where you can both go into that and be like, yeah, that makes me feel good too. Yeah, that makes me get, feel good too. But I think there's a lot of people out there where they're going to have this you know, possible interaction about some openness and the other person's like, no, I want you and all to myself. And yeah, I think, I think he was gauging my interest. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I, he lo- just really loved sending me those stories. And my reaction was always so much fun. And we, he'd come home, we'd have amazing sex and a lots of fun. And I think he just started to get more and more into it. And seeing all the different stories just started sending me the sexier Version. non-monogamy ones. And yeah, yeah and I, I reacted positively. So, Do you feel like if you reacted negatively that in another – type of life that it could lead a husband to possibly think about cheating if their wife is really closed off to something a little bit more kind of like just going through scenarios in my head where you know maybe the husband is really open to that and the wife isn't and then it can kind of push them away almost like I think it's so beautiful that you're on the same page and you know that it can be fruitful for both of you but I I feel like some might worry that it could push someone away in a sense. Sure. You need to have a a strong and secure attachment with your partner. This is not something that you should explore if your marriage is struggling. It's kind of like having a baby, right? Like don't have a baby to save a marriage and don't have a threesome to save a marriage. It's (laughs) That's a good point. 
That's, a great, that's a great way to put it. Same <laughs> advice. <laughs> It's we like it. We feel very strongly that we are committed to our spouses and that nothing we Mm -hmm. do is unfaithful. This is all about transparency and consent. So everything that we explore is two yeses and one no. And if you bring this up to your partner and your partner is a hard no, and then you go and pursue it, it's not ethical non-monogamy. It's just cheating non-monogamy, which is cheating. Yeah. And, you know, it was a long time talking about it. I mean, there was a lot of conversations because once you cross that line, you can't uncross it. Right. So Mm -hmm. we talked about, you know, the feelings around that for a very long time. And like Am said, it's really important for you to have a really strong relationship to begin with. And we did. So he knew he could send that to me and he could talk about it with me and I wasn't going to freak out. And I did not freak out. (laughs) So so what about you, Ams? How was that? How did that unfold? Yeah. So for Mr. Ams and I, we had a wake-up call that I think a lot of people who've been married for a long time have experienced. We had a, a close uh, couple friend where um, she came home one day and basically out of the blue said, we are just two people who chauffeur our kids from soccer to football to lacrosse, and I don't want to be married to a roommate anymore, so I'm leaving you. And, and like... All of us were shocked. Um, So Mr. Ams and I went to a bar and we started getting drunk and basically said, you know, we love our kids. We love our life. But how do we make sure that when they go off and have their own adventures, we still want to be together. We still love each other. And so we brainstormed about ways that we would have more fun in our marriage, things that we could do. And the drunker we got, the more we started talking about sex and like, would you be interested in this? What do you think about that? And we kind of explored BDSM and the kink space first. Like that's a fair point. Yeah. So we went to a dungeon and and checked out like a dungeon 101 night, which is essentially like going to Costco, except all the little demonstrations and samples and stuff <laughs> are like floggers and electric wand. Only and a mom wax makes play. that analogy. Well, you know what? <laughs> moms great. have sex. That's right. That's how That's they right. became moms. That's right. So that was a like a way to explore sexuality in a more public place. And I uh, jumped on like a, a spanking bench and got spanked as like the demonstration model to get spanked. And it was the first time that someone else had touched me sexually in like 15 years. So it was like a crazy turn on to me. I was so ramped up afterwards. Mr. Rams and I went back to the hotel and had like phenomenal sex. Um, But it opened the door to this whole community, this whole subculture Mm -hmm. of kink. And it was through that community that we learned about the lifestyle community. Like a gateway drug. A little bit. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Um, And uh, there's actually not that much overlap between the kink community and the lifestyle community, but Mm. they know about each other and they can point you in the right direction. And the second time we went to the dungeon, a very nice lady who hosts a tickle potluck every month kind of looked us up and down and said, gosh, you guys seem more like lifestyle people to me. (laughs) And so that's where we, that's the direction we headed. I feel like sex clubs are a great kind of introductory experience for if the swinging lifestyle might be something of interest it, experiencing the voyeurism first and like okay yeah. I'm I'm comfortable with my partner looking at someone I'm you know and vice versa I think that's a great way b- before just inviting someone over to a hotel room of some sorts 
Yeah, it's super non-threatening. Yeah. I mean, you can go mm-hmm. to a, a sex club and do absolutely nothing but hang out mm-hmm. and watch and maybe dance. You don't have to partake in any of the activities that are going on. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Yeah, I think a lot of people are under uh, a misconception that if you go to a dungeon or if you go to a sex club or if you go to a resort where swingers are kind of welcome, that people will pounce on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could not be further from the truth. Most of the time, people are very friendly. They're open. They'll talk to you. Um, but they're not going to like proposition you unless they're pretty sure the answer is yes. So mm-hmm. almost the opposite will happen while you show up and you're like, why is nobody coming on to me? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of like nicknames and terms in the community that you both are very familiar with that even there's a few that I haven't even heard of, which I'm a little like, I don't want to say embarrassed, but excited to learn about. But what is a hall pass? Ooh, a hall. Yeah. So a hall pass is giving your spouse, usually your monogamous spouse, uh, permission to go off and seek sexual adventures for some like short period of time. It might be a weekend, a business trip, a night. Business trip. Yeah. where, Where it's an isolated incident. Okay. You know, it's an isolated time that, that they're allowed to explore. It's kind of like when you say Leonardo DiCaprio is my hall pass celebrity right, or something. Right. Uh, well, that's the laminated yeah, that, list. I have a laminated list. <laughs> Hugh Jackman is on my list. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a Seinfeld reference, right? The laminated list? Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. It's no. Uh, Friends. Friends. That's right. Oh, it's a Friends, friends. reference. Yeah. I've been packing orders all day watching Seinfeld re- reruns. <laughs> so funny. It really is. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was going to say everybody, everybody should have a celebrity laminated list because, you know, like if you're not fantasizing when you're having, like you're missing out on your brain is the biggest sexual organ in your body, the most important sexual organ in your body. So use it when you're having sex, fantasize. Yeah. I've had that list pre lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So me, me being a control freak, I feel like having the shared experience is easier for my boundaries because I, I see what's happening. I know what's happening or I'm getting something in return. I, I feel like the isolated incidents might be somewhat of a boundary to explore. But for your first hall pass kind of experiences, whether it was for your husband or for you, did you feel any sort of guilt or how did you navigate through those feelings without your partner being available? So I went first <laughs> because, <laughs> dun, 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 uh-huh. because I knew that if I couldn't do it and he did, uh, that would be a problem. So um that was how we approached it. I explored that first and I had fun and he was all excited when I got home. So it was it was all good. It just depends on the relationship. There are lots of couples who never do the hall pass mm-hmm. thing. They just are always together. And that's great too. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of fun as well. And there's so many different ways to explore mm-hmm. non-monogamy or, or lifestyle. And you yeah. can start out really slow and you know, even just like going on a date with someone without sex, you know, kind of dipping your toes in the water. Well, and there's the whole parallel play thing where your first play experience can be parallel play where you're each playing with your own partner, but in the same room. And so you can see that visual, you can reach out and maybe touch a hand, something very, very light, very simple. Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of couples start. Yeah. 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 I, I would say uh, hall pass is generally not how people in ENM, ethical non-monogamy start, the, the more typical model um, is to stay in the same room with each other the entire time and do more of a, 
a couple swap kind of and experience. Some couples never go to the hall pass model. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's really next level stuff. And actually, it's not right to say levels because right. That's right. there that's there right. are no levels. It's it's just what is okay in your relationship, what you want to experience. You're not a better swinger if you <laughs> if you progress to hall passes and all of that. It's just what you're comfortable with. Yeah, no, nobody passes. There's out no judgment. No, there's no. Yeah, there's no cash too. award. No, no, no plaque for the wall. No, nothing. Oh, how nice! <laughs> I get this feeling that when you do communicate with your partners, that you find a sexual heightenedness from talking about these experiences, possibly solo. Oh, yeah. I I had a friend who I interviewed on the show whose partner wanted nothing to hear about the the hall pass experiences she had. So I thought that was an interesting boundary. Come to find out they didn't work out together because he probably just didn't like it to begin with. But it's it's so interesting to me. I, I to imagine my partner's face telling him about someone else I just, you know, had the sexual experience with and the capacity that one would have to to find joy that their partner is finding joy. But at the end of the day, they want to be in the same bed and play house with that person. It's it's really separating the, the physical and the emotional aspect. It's There's a lot of depth. And like I think you guys said, you've been in these relationships for over two decades almost. So there's a huge amount of trust there. But when it comes to trust, it can be shattered in an instant. And, you know, you get that image of a vase being completely broken, trying to glue it back up together. Hey, sluts. Want to see my workout routine, skincare setup, my house tour, and more? Take a deeper dive into my life on my YouTube channel. I take you across the country on my thrift shop vlogs and share my therapy and medication journey. Most importantly, peep the Girl Boss Business playlist to enjoy hours of free information on starting your own empire. So come check me out on YouTube at youtube.com slash Anna D. Is there a red flag experience in either of your story that there was something that was like, oh, no, this is bad. How do we repair this? Or has it been pretty, pretty easy to to navigate getting through that and being like, oh, that's just a boundary. We move on from there. Just I don't know if it got any darkness to it. <laughs> so I, I would I say for, for Mr. Ams and I, and I think the same is probably true for the two of you, there's been nothing that's happened where we violated each other's trust. And and like you said, that is really hard to come can, back Can from. like drunk accidents happen too? Uh, you know, there are, there are certain, there's a big difference between sort of something intentional and accidental. And we mm-hmm. step on each other's feelings all the time. That happens. That happens in every marriage. Exactly. Learning how to work through those issues and get to a better place at the end of it. I mean- you know, if you, if you want your relationship to have like crazy accelerated growth, open up your marriage. Cause you're going to learn so much oh, about each other. Yeah. You're going to learn how to communicate so much better. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, if you violate trust, my, you know, advice under those circumstances would be take a fucking break. Do not, yeah. you know, keep playing with someone else, get right with your spouse before you open up your marriage again. Um, but we certainly have friends in the community who, um, you know, it's a second marriage for them and their first marriage had some aspects of infidelity. Either they, you know, 
participated in it or they they were cheated on. And so mm-hmm. they have, you know, that that can be a real somebody who has trouble tr- trusting their partner, you have to go at their pace. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a partner who really has trouble trusting, then you just have to slow the fuck down and listen to what they have to say. And um, if they want to keep it just as, as a fantasy, a conversation between the two of you guys for years, cool, play around with that. And that can go a long way too. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. You can oh, go yeah. to amazing places in your mind and never leave your bed. Um, we've, we've actually had several episodes where we have explored how to do some of these things without ever going into other partners or non-monogamy. Yeah. Lots of things that you can do to make your sex life more fun yeah. without even dipping your toes into non-monogamy. If you feel like that's mm-hmm. the next step, great. We've enjoyed it. Yeah. But trust is the most important thing. The the episode that we literally just launched is about consensual non-consent, which is a really challenging kink to navigate. If you're not familiar with it, it's it's yes. fantasy play, rape play or rape fantasy where two consenting adults or more potentially are pretending to have unconsensual sex. That's um you know that's something that requires two people who really, really trust each other. And it's not something that we explored with our, you know, other play partners because it felt like something that should be explored just with our husbands. Yeah. And this isn't something we even explored in season one. We This is the mm-hmm. end of season three that yeah. we finally decided to do this, but we've been talking about it forever. And there again, you mm-hmm. know, trust with your partner is the most important thing. And in the end, the two of us, we really explored that with our partners. Yeah. And I've explored that as well. And one of our kind of safety, not words, but it's more of emotion. It's like, you know, hold three fingers up or something. So even if you are saying no, but some sort of cue, physical cue Mm -hmm. to navigate that, but that's so important. And I think those types of kinks aren't talked about enough because they are very real kinks. And, you know, for me as someone who has been raped, but also enjoys that kind of kink, it's a slippery slope, but Mm -hmm. for some... Spring is in the air, lovelies, and with it comes a fresh wave of energy, blossoming flowers, and endless possibilities. But you know what puts an extra skip in my step? My fabulous partners at Viahemp. Trusted by a whopping 250,000 plus goddesses just like you, Viahemp's products are just like a magical wellness wand in a bottle. Feeling a bit frazzled after a hectic day? Cue the Via gummies for instant relaxation. Battling stress and anxiety? Don't worry, there's a gummy for that too. And for those intimate moments, Via has concocted something truly special. High Love Gummies, infused with pleasure-boosting cannabinoids, libido-reviving herbs, and just the right touch of THC, these gummies are your ticket to an electrifying experience between the sheets. But wait, there's more. Via offers an array of other gummies, with or without THC, catering to every goddess's needs. Whether you prefer a subtle 2mg dose or a bolder 50mg kick, 
Faya has your back. From improving sleep to sharpening focus or aiding in recovery, there's a gummy for every occasion. And the cherry on top, you can easily browse and shop their collection online, categorized by strength and effect. And here's the best part, darling. Via ships discreetly to all 50 states, right to your doorstep. No medical card needed. So go ahead, indulge in a little self-care spree with Via Hemp because you deserve nothing but the best, goddess. Head over to viahemp.com and use code goddess to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies 21 and up only that's viahemp v-i-i-a-h-e-m-p.com and use code goddess at checkout please support our show and tell them we sent you take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from viahemp now back to the show godforsaken reason allows me to heal because it makes me feel like I have power over that situation that happened to me. And now I have can find pleasure from it. That is exactly what we found in the research. Yeah. That a lot of women, mm -hmm, a lot of women who have been the victims of sexual assault find this to be very therapeutic. Yeah. With someone that they feel safe with. Yeah. And they, they have a really hard time bringing that desire forward because they have a lot of shame. They feel like mm-hmm. they're not supposed to feel that way. So yeah. So you're not alone, girl. You're not like, alone. There's in our research, it, it was 61% of women reported um, having CNC as a fantasy that that they wanted to explore. So that's almost two thirds of all mm-hmm. of us. And and you know, a lot of women in that category have sexual assault in their sexual history. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with you if that's something that you enjoy exploring. If you're doing it with a partner that you trust and it can be very cathartic, mm-hmm. it can be, you know, like intense. There's a, a, a spectrum of, of ways that's, again, with any kink there is. So when you're encountering couples, do you find that these couples have, is there like a common limit? Like the one in my mind is I see on the movies where it's like no kissing, like anything else, but oh. no kissing or something. Like, is there a common <laughs> limit that, that happens? Fucking pretty uh, woman. Yeah. Oh, I hate so that. so ridiculous. It's, you know, kissing is, is everything. Man, if a guy can kiss, oh, everything else is probably going to be pretty good too. But I, I just, I cannot see having sex with someone and, and not, not being able them. to kiss. So if kissing is your rule, we're not your couple to hang with. I would say that's a really unusual one. It's kind of more almost like urban legend than you actually experience mm-hmm. it. So everyone's right. like, uh, I know someone who knows someone who encountered a couple who doesn't, um, you know, kiss on the mouth. And I'm it, sure mm-hmm. over time they can't stand it either. Yeah. That's it's, not fun. Uh, it's, uh, you know, no kink shaming. It's not, but it's not my thing. And I think it kind of stems from this idea that what you're doing is dirty and naughty and wrong. And you're going to reserve kissing, which is so sweet and lovely just for your partner. And I think all of that is bullshit in my opinion. I agree. Now, one rule that I would say is uh, like universally consistent. And if you do encounter it, it's a huge kind of red flag would be condom use. Yep. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody that I know within the community um, uses protection for penetrative sex and you know, again, people know a person who knows a person who, you know, makes the suggestion to not use a condom. And it's a a big no, no within the community. I've never encountered that. And there's a, there's a bit of a comfort that goes along with um, this community and lifestyle. I've never experienced anyone saying, well, I don't, we don't want to use condoms. We've never experienced that. Yeah. So it's pretty universal common use 
Yeah. Everybody uses condoms. I feel like if you were in an open relationship with like a, a select couple and there was this, you know, agreement that, th- that the two couples weren't going outside of that, and then there might be that discussion there. But if it's, you know, not that type of discussion, then I completely agree is I'm assuming that sexual testing is still a part of the community and always encouraged and people just don't talk about testing enough. It's like people would rather not know than know. And it's so important. What are your thoughts on encouraging people to, to normalize the testing with, with or without being in an open relationship? Yeah, we're, we're tested regularly. We uh, stagger like Mr. Cat will get tested. And then three months later, I get tested. And three months later, he gets tested. So we're each tested twice a year. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of the rule that we've had in place. And um, a shout out to Everlywell. I, I don't, yeah. we're not sponsored by them or anything like that, but it is at home testing. It requires pricking your finger. You can buy it, I think at like CVS or you can order it online. It's completely discreet and you can run a full STI panel, um, you know, from the comfort of your own home. I, and I love that you, it's like an app. So if, I have to say nobody ever asks about STI testing and status, and they probably should, but I'm waiting for the day that somebody asks and I can literally pull it up on my app and show them the last time I tested and what my results are. Um, So it's very, very easy to do. Everybody should be talking about STIs and taking the stigma out of it, testing, treating if you do encounter an an infection. Um, It's super important. So is it pretty normal if there's group sex happening to interchange condoms when penetrating yes, different constantly, partners? Yes. Constantly. There are usually condoms all over the room. <laughs> it's one such comes a rookie. off, a new one comes on. Nobody, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very such a easy. rookie mistake to bring like one, one? condom what? to the play party. Like, <laughs> dude, are you 17 years old? You have like one condom oh in your gosh. wallet. You need multiple yeah. condoms. Well, and whoever hosts something like that you always often has will have, extras. yeah. So another term, which my audience is probably familiar with, but in your words, what is a unicorn? Oh, mythical, mythical creature. Mythical, magical unicorn. Very rare, very beautiful. Yeah. So (laughs) a a unicorn is a single woman who uh, enjoys playing with swinger couples usually. So that's the typical dynamic. Often she's exploring her bisexuality, so she enjoys playing with a a couple and playing with both people of the couple. It's not a requirement. We've met plenty of unicorns who identify as as straight. Mm -hmm. Um, And both of us have played with a unicorn where we have not played with the unicorn, but she has been a part of our threesome with our husbands. Right. Right. Um, it's, oh, it's kind of a tough gig. I have to say, I've met a lot of unicorns. You think it would be really easy. You yeah. think that they're just floating around and people are wanting to catch them all the time. Yeah. No, it's, but it's, it's, it's actually kind of a, a challenging dynamic for um, a single woman to kind of break into um, swing culture and lifestyle culture because everything is super couple centric. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they... They do exist. They're lovely people. And they should be appreciated. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I even see when when we browse Tinder every every now and then they'll in their bio it'll say unicorn. And from our experience with a unicorn, I thought the post care was so important. Like you said, it can take such an emotional toll for a sexual woman to be involved with two people and to be involved in all these feelings and partnership and then to leave the partnership. And and it's like a two against one sort of thing. So that post care of, you know, even just texting them when they get home, like, how are you doing? We miss you. Like, it was great. Can't wait to see you again. Just anything along those lines to to make sure their mental health is okay. I I think it's just such a considerate thing to do. Well, and we've we've integrated a couple of... uh, 
unicorns into our community. So we invite them to our our parties and we invite them to hang out and we invite them wherever we're going in a group setting so that they always feel welcome, not just calling them up for sex. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. I think it, having been sort of the guest star in a, in a couple experiences, which is fun too. It feels like really (laughs) amazing, but you know, as high as that high is, the low can be mm-hmm. just as intense. So aftercare, aftercare after any sexual experience is a good thing to talk about to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's Dan Savage talks about the, the campfire rule. You should always leave your partners better than you found them. Mm-hmm. I love that. So with these nude parties, I know we, you mentioned nude resorts at the beginning of the show. How yeah. how would a couple or one who has no idea what the fuck's going on get involved in something like this? Because I feel like you have to be in the know to know like what the good ones are. And I don't even know how to define good. But Well, and you're going to make a few mistakes in the yeah. beginning for sure. But uh, a lot of the dating sites will have forums where you can post a party or something like that. Um, for Ams and I, we've just created a community over time. Like we've met a couple, they've met a couple, we bring them in. Not maybe not all couples that we're going to play with, but couples right. that we think are really awesome people, and we think that someone that we know are really going to like them. So we have created sort of our own community, but you can find them on some of the the sites, and you just have to go in with a kind of a an open mind, good conversation between your spouse and yourself. Have a plan that you're going to you know step away from the the craziness. It's not crazy, but step away from the the action to have a conversation about what you want to do. Mm-hmm. It has to be kind of an ongoing, consensual sort of we both want to be here kind of thing. And it's not yeah. it's not nude. We don't go nude. No, I mean so <laughs> it's costumes. So the ha- it's really fun. Certain areas are like sure. nude open areas, and there's probably parties that are happening at the resorts, and you know you could not even go to any of them if you didn't want to. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, so a house party is a privately hosted party, and just like you know, anybody inviting people into their home, it's it can look really different. So, you know, we've heard about or know about house parties that are pretty open, where you can get an invitation really easily. You don't necessarily know the people who are there when you walk in, and at ten o'clock, they're like, "All right, get naked or get the fuck out." That's not my idea of a fun house party, but for some people, um, I don't know, maybe the fact that we're all in it together, we're all going to get naked together, we're all going to like have this sort of general consent to touch each other is a real turn on. If that's your thing, awesome. Mm -hmm. It's easy enough to find on like a swinger site, like a swinger dating site. Um, We kind of set out to create a house party that we would really enjoy that's more sort of femme empowered and exciting and and things like having no play spaces where people can go and hang out and there's zero pressure to take your clothes off um, and having cool different themed rooms and different um, play spaces. So some of our rooms, it's just one big king mm-hmm. bed. So it's only ever going to be one couple or two couples on on the bed at a time, or even teeny t- Like I like to play one on one with a partner. So literally, we set up like a, <laughs> a bed under the stairs, like in like one of these little Harry mm-hmm. Potter closet rooms, so that just I could be with just my partner mm-hmm. and not have everybody else around watching. It was but a very popular room. It was a super popular <laughs> room. Is there like admission to be paid to a party like this, or is it pretty? It's, it just it's depends. It's more just a private people. It's more like potlucks that like people yeah. bring decorations, people bring food. It's, you know, we certainly don't do it 
for money. I'm sure that there are people out there who are, there's plenty of people out there who are hosting events and charging admission. To- well, and some of that is just to, to pay for the cost of having a party. Understood. It's pretty expensive to right. do. And I'm sure nude resorts too have a price point for the experience as well. And like, I'm curious, like what a nude resort in Florida looks like versus New York or something. Well, so there aren't that many in the U.S. because U.S. restrictions are are like more complicated when it and comes it to be astronomically sex. expensive. Yeah. So there are a couple of places in Florida wh- where people kind of hang out and they're nude. Um, but the big resorts tend to be in Mexico or Jamaica mm-hmm. or other countries where it's just easier to get staff. And, and gotcha. it's the same kind of roles you would get from any sort of all-inclusive or it's just cheaper to okay. have it offshore. It's really not cost prohibitive. I mean, it's, it's about the same as any other all-inclusive resort. Yeah. Yeah, you're you not, would think it would be a lot more expensive, but it's really not. Yeah, you're not really paying a, a premium for the experience. It's more just that they target an affinity group. They target cool, mm-hmm. sexy, open-minded people who might want to make a connection. And they're always booked solid. So <laughs> maybe true. they don't care about uh, the premium for the experience as much as having a full resort all the time. Understood. That makes sense. So another term I'm curious is impact play. Hmm. Yeah, impact play is fits into the category of BDSM. So bondage, sadom, uh, bondage and discipline, um, sadomasochism, so, uh, dominance and submission, sadomasochism, or yeah, sadomasochism. Yeah, it's it's like the weirdest <laughs> acronym ever. There's a lot. Um, but impact play is um, uh, striking or hitting a part of the body, usually with an implement, although it certainly can be spanking, but spanking, flogging, crops, whips. Um, hairbrush, like any sort spatula. of spatula, spatula, yes, spatula. It's one of our favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and any uh play where you're um striking uh somebody else would be impact play. Okay. Now I know this is an, a complete opposite shift of that topic. But <laughs> <laughs> as far as having kids, <laughs> yeah. how does this <laughs> fucking affect their life? Was it a secret for a while? Or is this just completely normalized in the home? How do you navigate such an extraordinary sex life with being a mother and the questions that might arise with, you know, them seeing mom with someone else, maybe not. But I mean, even being a sex worker, the question we ask a lot of, you know, OnlyFans models and whatnot is, you know, does your kid know? How do you have this conversation with your kids? So being parents, what what does that look like? You know, it is a work in progress, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, when we started, uh, the kids weren't aware of anything. And we were very compartmentalized Mm -hmm. about our friends and our regular home life. Um, But the more we do this, the more we realized that that the people we meet were great, amazing people. They were good at their jobs. They're good at being parents. And so our social life and our sex life sort of kind of came together. And mm-hmm. most of our friends um, who we hang out with in totally vanilla situations with our kids also happen to be swingers. Um, yeah, we have a lot of barbecues. We, we, yeah. we just meet at a, a local like brewery for fun and no sex is happening in any of those instances. Right. Yeah. So the kids, uh, in some cases, they know each other, they're friends. We've gone to baseball games. We've run like 5Ks together. Like 
it's completely integrated. Um, and uh, recently, our uh, my oldest and your my two, two old, kids, yeah, they're older teenagers, yeah, um, became aware of the fact that first off, that the four of us had a, a relationship together that's more sort of polyamorous, and we can talk about what that means later. But um, that was sort of the first thing they discovered. Um, And then they kind of came to realize that, oh, pretty much everybody that we hang out with, um, you know, are part of the same club. Um, And I think they, they took it Really surprisingly well. well. Yeah. Um, they don't want to know the details and we're not going to share the details, but I feel like this generation is just a lot more accepting of uh, identity and they see it more as an identity thing. Yeah. And we've never been uh, inconsistent with our kids. So we're not hypocrites. We talk a very sex positive talk with our kids. I talk to my son about consent and what that means. I don't just say Get consent. I say get ongoing consent. You need to check in regularly. Enthusiastic consent. Enthusiastic mm-hmm. consent. And can a drunk girl consent? No. Nope. No, she can't. So those kinds of things that I think young people just don't even know, <laughs> you know, that those are important things for us to tell our boys. They're yeah. getting into trouble. Because you know, we're because not they, teaching them how to exactly. talk with their partner about sex. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And my daughter recently asked me if I thought she should wait till marriage to have sex. And I said, I think you should wait till you're ready. Let's talk about maturity and being being ready for what cry. comes with that, you know? <laughs> so I think when they found out, they weren't super surprised. They're like, oh, well, that explains everything. That's why mom's talking about sex all the time. I just got chills. I mean, just from my experience being told to wait till marriage. And it was a, my cousin that told me, I think you should wait till you're ready, you know? Yeah. And it was, it, it, it impacted my whole life. And we don't really realize how much what we say about sex to kids, how much it shapes their life. And if, if we don't talk to them about sex, how detrimental it shapes their life. So, you know, one would think like, oh, how do the swingers talk to their kids about sex? And it's like, oh, it's actually fucking way better than parents who may not be swinging. Yeah. And she talks to me about, about everything. From that moment, she knew she could trust me. She knew that I was going to be honest with her. Yeah, absolutely. We have way more open conversations with our our kids, age appropriate, hopefully, but like, uh, you know, open conversations with our kids about sex. And I really do believe that they feel like they could tell us almost anything Mm -hmm. and we would approach it, you know, Mm non-judgmentally. My kinky cannabis queens, come get your freak on and shop the first adult head shop on the internet. TheHornyStoner.com offers the glassware of your dreams. From beginner vibrators to expert anal trainers, enhance your self-pleasure journey. Are you a pothead princess? Wrap yourself in luxury with the gold rolling papers, vintage ashtrays, and stash jars fit for a queen. Maybe it's time to enhance your bubble bath routine with a silicone rubber ducky water pipe. It can float in the tub while you rub-a-dub-dub. Make your pussy proud and support your local dildo dealer at thehornystoner.com. Now back to the show. So with being podcast hosts, I feel that we have the similarity where sex life and business life intertwine. And it's, I, I read something the other day where 
content creation is kind of exploiting the moment. So I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes you could be having this moment and in your head, you're like, oh, this is going to be great for the podcast episode or (laughs) we should talk about this. Has turning your sex life into somewhat of a business, has that changed the natural flow of the sex life? Do you think it betters it? How do you navigate that? Because sometimes it's hard to separate the two and be like, let's just have some fucking sex and not make it a part of the show. So I would say that the show has made my sex life way better (laughs) because we're exploring ideas that I never had before. You know, we're doing research on different topics and exploring how we can experience those things in a way that that works for us. So we deconstruct a lot of these topics and ideas. And for me, it's been very exploratory. I mean, I feel like in the moment, I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking... This is amazing. This is so much fun, you know, and, uh, and there's experiences that are fantastic. And I don't think I ever would have experienced a lot of this without being part of a podcast. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, When we started, somebody gave us the advice that don't follow the like most salacious, craziest path. Like it's very, you're going to get a lot of pressure to keep upping the ante and, uh, you know, make things more and more and more intense and mm-hmm. um, stop and think about who you're trying to reach out to. Because it's, you know, we, when we record and we start thinking about topics, we have like a, a person in mind. We call her Christine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, she's, a, a, you know, a woman, a mom, a, a wife who is like, does not want to think that her best sex is behind her. Mm -hmm. Like she still has great sexual adventures in her future. And how can we give her good advice? And she's not the one who's reaching out to us saying post pictures of a gangbang. Right. right? So Mm -hmm. we, you know, always focus on who we're trying to, to reach, to connect with. And if that message wouldn't resonate with her, we don't do it. Um, but uh, yeah, we've gone on some crazy, crazy adventures and the podcast, in some ways it gave me like, uh, it made me brave to ask mm-hmm. my partner, whether that's my husband or someone else to do something. And I can be like, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a topic on the podcast. And that just, <laughs> it, you know, it just makes it um, a little bit more fun and playful sometimes. Yeah. And our husbands are super happy. <laughs> they get to have, they get to take part in all the homework assignments. Most of the homework assignments. Most of the homework assignments. <laughs> and they love it. Yeah. What are we doing this weekend? What's the homework? Oh, my gosh. I'm in awe. So what does the future look like for the two hot wives? Ooh, Ooh that is a, a good, good question. question. <laughs> Damn. Well, we're finishing up season three, and we're just about talking. You know, we're yeah. just talking about that. We seem to talk about that in between seasons. That's right. Yeah. So we're we, our last episode will uh, for season three is going to launch in October, and uh, and then we're going to take a couple of months to decide: do we need to make any shifts in our format? What are some of the topics that we're going to explore? I know that. Um, that uh, sex bucket list is going to be something uh-huh. we talk about, helping sort of identify what are the things that you really want to explore with your partner and how to communicate that. Um, and we're talking about webcamming. So uh-huh. not not for money, right? But because, you know, we um, admire sex workers, I, you know, 
think it's awesome that uh, women are kind of, in particular, reclaiming their content and putting it out there. And and like what you're doing is phenomenal. But, you know, for us, we are enthusiastic amateurs. We're having sex as a hobby for fun. Um, So, you know, we're super excited to explore the idea of using video as like a fun way for us and our partner or partners to to just explore each other in a slightly different way. So Mr. Cat is going to love that. Oh one. my god, he's oh going to go nuts. He's going to go nuts. <laughs> I I think you guys need to write a book. I think, <laughs> I think that needs to happen. That'd be amazing. That'd be fun. Yeah. It's a lot easier than you think it is. I I actually have my little book right here. It's on pre-order right now, but it's the publishing process that takes the fucking longest. That's yeah. the, wow. the hardest, especially with how shipments are in the world right now, but you know, leaving your imprint behind you based on your experiences and helping other people it's like once you find that sort of purpose in your heart it's like whoa okay life is worth living <laughs> fantastic good for you that's awesome congratulations that's amazing okay, well congratulations to you too so for my entrepreneurs, you can listen to the two hot wives on their podcast and just so everyone knows it is the number two right, that's right. two mm-hmm. hot wives so two hot wives.com you can check out their blogs all their amazing important information we talked about today. They're on social media. You can find them on Twitter at Two Hot Wives, Instagram at Two Hot Wives Podcast. Is there anywhere else you'd like to plug yourself or anything else coming up you want to share? We're working on TikTok. Yeah, we're trying to get on the TikTok. <laughs> but we <laughs> the TikTok, she says. Even I know. Even I know it's not the TikTok. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still but, figuring that yeah, shit out. Yeah, we don't show our faces. So it's, there's a challenge there. But yeah. we're figuring it out. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope everyone has a lovely day with lots of orgasms. Yay. It's the end of the show. So time to plug myself and pay some bills. So lube up. If you want to keep the show going and learn more about myself and my empire, you can check more out at professionalgoddess.com. My YouTube, mentorships, ebook series, and everything else is linked in the description of this episode, as always. And remember, every time you leave a five-star review, a slutpreneur has an orgasm. So keep the big O's coming. Connect with your fellow girl gang in the Slutpreneur Squad Facebook group at cehose.com. That's C-E hose.com. You can also just search professional goddesses in the Facebook search bar and it should come right up. Plus we have a discord chat, which is our triple X chat to help our fellow sluts out. You can get this link through the Facebook group or just shoot me an email. We'll get you in there. And lastly, if you want to get all up inside me, follow my free only fans at Rebecca blue with two K's and my explicit page at Rebecca rabbit. Now, all you have to do is put in OnlyFans.com backslash my username. I also offer shout outs, which can be purchased at RebeccaBlue.com or just private message me on OnlyFans. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as always, refuse to be anything but successful. Go make that money, honey. I'll see you queens next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.